the game on the line, you can't fold and you can't bend. Y'all uh, be playing it safe and I be going for the win. Remember back when they was doubting on the kid. Uh, now they tuned in because my game too legit. Hey, what's going on, world? Welcome back to Forgiven AF Podcast. We're a second chance podcast. Um, super excited to be here today. I got an awesome guest on the show with me that I'm super for that, thankful for giving me this opportunity to do this together. Um, I want to start off real quick and uh, let y'all know kind of what I did last week. It was a new experience, something I'm really excited about. Um, we went to, I, I applied to be on this show for entrepreneurs. It's a reality TV show called The Blocks in Kansas City. Uh, 60,000 people applied and I made it in the top 30. So I went and recorded a reality TV show. It was an entrepreneur competition. So it was um, just a bunch of different competitions to kind of see who they would crown the world's best startup entrepreneur. You know, it's a game show, so it's kind right. of a lot of um, extraness to it. But it was actually a really cool experience. I learned a lot. I did not win. I don't even, I'm not allowed to tell who did until the show comes out. But um, I learned a lot and it was a really cool experience. So I'll let you guys know when that drops. But, um, as far as today's episode, we got my boy Tim Nicholas on the show. Uh, Tim, thank you for being here. Absolutely. I'm Thanks super excited me. about this. Uh, Tim and I met at the gym, I'd say probably about a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we were working out and just you could just kind of catch a good vibe, you know. So uh, we, we met and then happened to realize that we were both from Philadelphia. So yep. that, was, that was right away there was like a connection. And uh, we, we linked up on social media and immediately I saw that uh, – Tim was putting together a Overcoming Emotional Strongholds workshop. And uh, I, I was like blown away by that because uh, how important that is, especially like nowadays with all the, the different stuff going on in the world. And I just, that's why I wanted to bring him on the show because I feel like that's a really important thing. I think that uh, we need to be able to have discussions about men's health and counseling. I feel like a lot of people are scared of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a, some questions here. First, I want to introduce Tim and see him if Tim will give us a quick brief overview of like, you know, where he's from and how he got into this mental health space. Absolutely. So Sean, thanks for having me on to the show. You know, Forgiven AF is definitely a dope podcast, man. So shout out to you for everything that you're doing. And, you know, I'm really excited about being on today. Um, just a little bit about myself. I hail from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, I was born in Philly, but I was raised in Baltimore. So shout out to Baltimore that, that raised me. Um, so, um, you know, East Coast guy all the way, living in Texas for nine years, uh, love it here, um, you know, ha have a family here, so I love it, and just, um, you know, I love the fact that we met at the gym, like you said, and just the vibe was dope, you know, from, you know, just from the day one, yeah. pretty much, so just really excited to be on your platform, man, and just to talk through mental health, different struggles, um, and just really just talk through different things, man. I love it, I love it, man, yeah. it's really cool that you're here, because... You know, we have, we have a lot of, we agree on a lot of different topics, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's cool to be able to collaborate and do this, because you also have a podcast. I do. Called Lokes Lounge. Locks Lounge. Locks Lounge. Yep, just and like, play off the oh, locks. Okay, the hair, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> With the hair, so, yeah. So Locks Lounge, and um, mm -hmm. and it's really cool. I like seeing all the different avenues you go, and I agree with all the different topics you bring up. So Appreciate you guys that. are doing good things, absolutely. Thanks, man. Um, let me ask you, how did you get into the mental health space? Well, you know, to be honest, Sean, it is really got into it just from my own personal mental health struggles, you know, growing up in my home, um, you know, a loving home that I grew up in, you know, uh, with my mom and dad, but a little bit dysfunctional at times, you know, no different from the average person having to go through different things, um, you know, but I recognized I had a loose screw as I was growing up mentally, just based on some of the things that I went through as a, as a child and as, as an adolescent and into adulthood. 
Um, with those struggles, of course, you know, going through different things and hurting people that, you know, I really wish I wouldn't have hurt. You know, it really was my own experience to say I need to, you know, really take care of my own mental health. I need to take care of all of my triggers. I need to take care of the emotional problems that I might have had and then to not deflect those things on other people. And so um, that process really allowed me to uh, help other men as well to, like, you know, overcome some of their own emotional strongholds, dealing with isolation, anxiety, depression, um, and talking through those different those different struggles. So I did put on a workshop, my first one last year, um, called Overcoming Living Beyond the Box, excuse me. Um, and it was overcoming emotional strongholds for black men. Now, of course, for not only black men having struggles, all men have struggles, right? Yeah, no, you know, absolutely. but specifically for my own people, you know, I really wanted to do that and to push that type of um, agenda, you know, for especially for black men, you know, like myself. Absolutely. I love that. And yes, I think that uh so these kind of go hand in hand. Um, when you talk about you got it, you realized that you had something wrong and you, that, that you needed to figure out how to work through this. Um, how did you know, like, did someone present the, op- the thing like, hey, you should get counseling? Or how did you know um, what options were available or that there even were options for something like that? Well, I started therapy at a young age. I was about maybe six or seven years old just um, going to therapy and going to a psychiatrist at a very young age. Um, just dealing with some of the mental health struggles, dealing with ADHD as a child, and having that that lack of focus, you know, also played into other areas of my life, even as a young child. So that's really how I got into it was having to deal with deal with therapy then, and even throughout life and having different issues and different things happen to me. Um, that's where I knew that you know, and even having advice from family saying, you know, maybe you should talk to somebody. And I'm the type of person where I, I am pretty self-aware for the most part. And I think that's the biggest thing is that you have to be self-aware and know that, okay, I know that I'm a good person, but I have issues and I've struggled with hurting people and doing things that I'm not proud of. But at the end of the day, you know, um, it's, it's important to have that self-awareness. So I, that, that's where it started. I love that, man. I think that self-awareness is one of the most attractive qualities in any person. You know what I mean? Like, cause you could tell the difference between a person who's constantly lying to themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty obvious. Always yeah. making excuses for when they've messed up or um, that was one of the biggest things for me when I was in, when I became incarcerated was, all right, I've got like a couple options right now. I can sit here and feel sorry for myself and act like it was the government's fault or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I can become self-aware and I can realize, hey, I messed up. What can I do to be better now? Yeah. Um, so the fact that you start you know, treatment at a young age is probably a blessing, like the way I look at it, because I feel like most men that, that aren't, um, are, aren't around therapy or don't even have that like offered to them. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time we get older or they get older, it's now looked at as like almost like a, like a weakness, right? Absolutely. Like, like, Oh, you go to counseling, you're soft, you can't handle it on your own or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know for myself, I wasn't able to become self-aware or, to really, until I started going to counseling, like yeah. I absolutely love, I'm a huge advocate for counseling, Me too. Um, Me too. personal counseling, marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I say all the time, if it wasn't for our marriage counselor, we wouldn't still be married. That's right. And uh, because it, there's, we have blind spots, right? We have blind spots in our life all over the place, whether it's marriage or your own personal life. So sometimes it takes a person without a bias, you know, like a, and that's where counselors are so cool because yeah. they're like um, to kind of show you those blind spots Um, but you also have to be open and willing to be able to take the information in, right? Absolutely. Um, 
this is a big one right here because this isn't just for the men that are struggling with it, but even for people in the families around men struggling with mental health. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some uh, some signs of mental health struggles? Um, I would say that some struggles would be, you know, uh, a lack of desire in the activities that you're used to to doing. So what if, let's just say, for example, I love to work out and let's just say I you know, you consistently see me in the gym and let's just say you don't see me in the gym for, you know, two or three weeks at a time. Now for me, two or three weeks, I'm losing my mind (laughs) if I'm not in the gym for two or three weeks. Um, And you being a fitness professional and being a trainer and owning, you know, your own facility, you understand that if you've gone for a certain amount of time, you start to lose it. Yes. Um, But I have been in those places where I, I wouldn't want to work out due to the fact that I'm, you know, going through a anxiety bout or going through a small depression bout, yes. you'll, you'll recognize when people aren't themselves, when they're out of a routine, out of a flow. And we got to check on those people. You know, we got to be observant of the people that are around us, first of all, yeah. to even recognize that there is a change and a shift in their behaviors or their patterns and moods and things like that. So I think um, just making sure that we look at those things, the things that people are used to doing, that's one thing. Um, Seeing, you know, just if their mood changes, if they if you know that they're consistently, you know, in a place where they're consistently uh, happy or in a, in a decent place, then we want to look at if their if their mood swings or if their mood changes and stuff. So those are just some of the things that I know that I've recognized, not only in myself, but in other people. And um, it's really helped them because then it allows me to even say, hey, you know, bro, what's going on? How you feeling? I haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah. What's going on? And then it, that kind of allows, you know, them to feel like they can talk to me in yeah. that situation. I think that's awesome. And the funny, you hit the nail on the head, too. The number one sign when I was doing some research mm-hmm. um, is lack of desire in things that they love. Right. And that's exactly what you went to. Like mm-hmm. um, isolation, which is very, I feel like it's very similar. Like if you're not doing the things you love and you're isolating. It's kind of similar, but isolation was a big one Yeah, um, that people do and they just stop. I know when I get depressed, when depression hits me, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to associate with anybody. I want to just, but that's actually the worst thing I can do. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because you stay in the house without anything changing, you know, what's going on around you. It's easy to just be stuck in your head and just thinking about negative. I agree. Um, let's see. What do you think men cringe at the thought of therapy? Like, hmm. is it, that's a hard one, right? But it's, I know you got a good answer for it. <laughs> I would say just being a man, most men will cringe at the thought of therapy for multiple reasons. Um, I would think that a lot of times we are already preconditioned to be the strong one, the strongest. Um, we have to take care of our homes. We have responsibilities. We have all these things we have to do. Therapy is very low on the the list of to-dos. And I think that a lot of times we are already just preconditioned to not take it seriously because we're like, listen, feelings, we got to sit and talk about feelings for. We, we got to get this money for our families. We got, we got things we got to do. And sitting in this chair talking about how I feel is taking away, it's taking away time from what I really need to be doing, you know? And so... I think also we're just not wired to talk about things. And and another underrated thing is that we have a hard time trusting other men. We really do. Um, that could be because of ego. That could be because of power. That could be 
for whatever reason. Um, but we don't find a community of men to feel safe in, with. And so it, it's very difficult to open up to other men, let alone a therapist, if we don't have other people in our circle that we could trust with the information that we have. So yeah. we got to be able to do that. That's good. I think it's good. I think a lot of men are scared of, you know, the stuff that that has actually bothers them and causes their mental health issues mm-hmm. to put it out there because now it could be used again now to hurt them. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So like if I share something with somebody, now they have that firepower against me, right. even though it's a counselor. But, you know, we don't think rationally all the time about that type of things. Um, so I, I think that it's definitely people are scared to look weak to look yeah. like they don't have it all together. Cause we put on like, let's say social media, for instance, you look at my social media, it looks like I'm always happy. I'm always doing fun, good stuff. Mm-hmm. But on the day where I'm depressed or extremely anxious, something I struggle with is I'm always thinking of the worst case scenario of every situation. Right. Um, I'm not posting that on social media. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it just looks like we have it together. So that's an, I think another thing to be careful with that is, we need to make sure that just because someone's social media looks like they have it all together doesn't mean that we don't need to be checking on that person. Absolutely. And a lot of times, the strongest people are the ones we need to check on the most, right? Just because you're the strongest person in the family or the strongest person in your circle, think of all the energy that you have to expound just to be strong for everybody else. That's good. And so we got to be able to pour into each other. In that way. Now, with a counselor, I would feel as though that's one of the safest places that you could talk to someone. And what that does is it allows you to practice being vulnerable with people outside of that circle of of, of a therapist. So now if I'm if I'm vulnerable with my therapist, I can learn to be vulnerable with my family, people in my family. I could be um, I can be more vulnerable with like my closest guy friends. I could be vulnerable with those people because I'm already practicing that with someone who is non-biased and doesn't know me. But in any type of relationship, we're all at risk to get hurt. Yes. All at risk to get hurt. So I would say let's not l- allow that fear to to uh, mess up our mental health if we got to talk through things. Yeah. Because we're all vulnerable to that anyway. No, that's so good. And it's the same. Vulnerability is so important. Transparency, vulnerability. Some of my closest relationships are with men that I can be vulnerable and transparent with. Right. Because you, get, you form that connection. Um, you have to understand that it's you might tell them something that's uncomfortable you know mm-hmm. but if you're not and and I like that you said that cuz with a counselor that you have you're covered by certain you know legal things right. to where the counselor can't share your stuff that you tell unless you say that you're going to harm yourself or harm someone else mm-hmm. the counselor has to keep that information so it's a good place to learn vulnerability right it's a good place to start of having to learn to be open mm-hmm. um it's real i wanted to ask you what are some remedies that are available to a man that is struggling with mental health? I mean, we've kind of discussed some, but maybe just going further to kind of give people like some actual concrete options. Um, better health is better help is a, um, is an app that, um, really caters to therapy. I would say that's a good resource and a, and a good remedy to start. Um, not only for men, just people in general, you know, but better help is a good one. That's good for therapy. Um, Really just therapy is one of the biggest things that I, I even tell people that I'll probably be in therapy for the rest of my life, you know, and it's not necessarily because there's so many crazy things going on in my life, but it's about maintenance more than anything. Yeah. I want to be able to maintain my mental health, my mental stability, where I've known how low I've gotten in certain situations and certain things that have happened in my life. So 
I know that therapy is going to be huge. Um, having a community of men that you can trust, that you could be able to share certain things with and share your life with, but be able to hear their stories as well. It needs to be a relational type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important too. Um, and just really making sure, even journaling, that's a remedy too. Getting that out, getting whatever thoughts that you have out is super important. Um, I think that if we can talk, if we don't feel comfortable talking to people, at least get it out of your brain. It has to come out in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And so I think um, journaling is something that we got to take time to do, even if it's like 10 minutes a day, Yeah. right? Or, you know, a, a couple of times a week, we could just get these things out. So. I love that. The journaling thing is something that I actually want to start working on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is an avid journaler, and the she the way she talks about it, like the benefits that she gets out of it, it's like almost – it's something that I should definitely add in. I have five, 10 minutes a day to write down my biggest stressful stuff. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a way, um, and she kind of uses it as like a prayer language for her. You know what I mean? To be able to like connect with the Lord, like it's a way to show. And that's another thing. Um, men's groups, like kind of like when you mentioned having a, a men's support system. Yeah. I really think that that is a huge one. Um, when it comes to counseling, do you have any advice? And I don't. So this is not, this is one that I'm seriously asking. If you don't, this might not. Um, how would you recommend or what sort of characteristics or what should a man look for if he decides, okay, I'm going to go to counseling mm-hmm. and now I need to find a counselor. Now what? So I've been on both sides of the coin where I've had good counselors and I've had bad counselors. So I, I have identified the characteristics on both sides on what to look for and what to avoid. Okay. Right? As far as like good qualities and characteristics of a counselor for me is someone who can um, definitely listen who truly yeah. surprisingly there are some counselors and therapists who don't listen that actually take the time to they'll hear your story and and things like that and they spend more time talking and trying to instruct as opposed to listening yeah and a lot of times we we definitely need both we need the instruction but we also need to just get it out yeah so being able to listen is very important um someone who can I do like experience-based therapists, but I also like therapists who do know they know their stuff, right? Yeah. So it, it's good to have that blend depending on what you like, right? And depending on what you're going through to be able to relate and connect with your therapist. Um, so I think those are some of the things that I look for. I also, what I also look for as far as just a negative thing is not only the excessive talking, because I'm not big on the excessive talking. I'm just yeah. not. But um, just someone who, like, if you're not giving sound advice, if you're just giving me something based off of uh, based off of education as opposed to something that's personalized for me because you're hearing who I am and my type of personality, I need something that's going to kind of match that as opposed to, okay, everybody's doing this. This is something that you should be doing. It needs to be specific and relative to my particular um, situation. I think that's great, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, how about... Uh, Christian counseling versus a non-Christian counselor. Um, I'm I'm with I, I like both of them. Okay. You know, being a Christian man, I've been to a Christian counselor and I enjoy Christian counselors who provide the biblical the biblical aspect of it. But there's also the the spiritual aspect as well as the scientific aspect, which is the mental part, right? Yes. So if we can combine those two things, so if you're giving the the spiritual and the scripture aspect to the counseling in addition to also, but what's going on in my brain here? What's yeah. going on in my mind? How can I, how can I uh, still focus on, on my healing part? 
with not only the spiritual aspect. 100%. I'm, I'm with you 100% on I that. I need that mindfulness. I need different things. If you're talking to me about, okay, well, here's some techniques, you know, mindfulness, meditation. If you're giving me different things to to really be able to fight these these battles and these demons that I have, then that's helpful on both sides. So I think it's, it's essential for both Christian and non-Christian counseling. I think that's a great um, analysis because I agree 100%. Um, sometimes the whole oh, you're struggling with that, pray about it. Like, I don't get me wrong. I love it, and I do pray about it. But sometimes mm-hmm. I need a little bit more. Like, give me right. some s- steps that I can walk through to look at the situation differently, maybe, right. instead of just, you know, always just, oh, just pray about it. Or, you know, read this chapter in the Bible and pray about it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll do that, and I right. love it. But sometimes I need more steps that are actually, like, that I can take, that I can see the, like, process of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, let, let me I see. I like that. Just... Yeah, that's that's like really important. You know, it is important to pray about it, right? Yeah, we can we we can definitely pray about it, but I feel like prayer shouldn't be the end all be all. There still needs to be actions, and even you know, biblically it says you know, faith without works is dead. So I can pray and have faith all day, but what am I doing? What are the steps that I'm taking to improving my quality of life? I have to still do things and not expect God to just come in and just do a clean slate and wipe it, wipe everything through. I still have work to do. Exactly. Because if you can come in, we can pray about it and we can change the situation, you know, through feelings. But if we have the same thought processes, we're just going to keep coming back into that same negative spiral. Yeah. So that's something that it's definitely worth exploring both avenues. And maybe like you said, it's okay to have both. It is. You know what I mean? It's okay to have both. You can have your spiritual counselor and then you can have your, what do you like, scientific kind of counselor or whatever, more of just like a personal counseling type of aspect and... I think that's good. I feel like I personally like to have a male counselor mm-hmm. um, as a male uh, because I want to be able to be honest with my counselor about all the different things that I struggle with. Yeah. And and I'm open with my wife. She knows this. But there's, like, struggles in my life when it comes to, like, not sleeping with other women, but, you know, yeah, being yeah. in the gym and just having eyes that wander and stuff like that. Of course. And, and I don't really feel comfortable sharing those type of struggles with a female counselor. Just... Mm-hmm. So I like to have a male counselor for things like that. Now, you know, the funny part about that, being a man and for me personally, being a man and having a a male counselor, I've had those in the past. And what I have learned is that it's it's great either way, like as a man to have a, a man counselor or a woman counselor. Right. I tend to go to a woman counselor actually because growing up, there weren't a lot of men in my life that I could trust. And so while I know it, it would be effective to have a male counselor, but I gravitate more to the woman counselor because like I can trust you with certain conversations and things growing up in a, in a you know, single parent home with my mom. Yeah. I'm, I'm so used to being able to talk to a female counselor. Now, as the years have gotten, you know, have gone on and I've gotten older, I have gravitated to a male counselor. as Bro, well. that's awesome. That's so good because we have to look back and think about what our situation growing up and how that's affected. Like I had a, I had a father who I went to for a, a lot of stuff like that. So I've, maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm more comfortable with going to it. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. so it's funny when you look back on the situational stuff and figure out, um, what do, so when it comes to like, I have a lot of business owners and stuff like that in our circle and a lot of people who in leadership positions in general. Yeah. Um, how, what are some good qualities you think in leadership as it pertains to mental health? Like for instance, and this is a hard one, right? Because 
you know, it's your business and you have to make sure that your business is taken care of. But at the same time, I believe that you have to make sure that people are taken care of also. Right. So how do you navigate leadership with, you know, who is under you and still being able to recognize, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm also a business owner, just like you. Um, I own an IT consulting firm. And so in addition to hosting the podcast yeah. and all that, but um, I have had employees, you know, prior to the pandemic, I had consultants on, you know, on different projects and things like that. And whenever their performance would slip, I would, I would, you know, during their one-on-ones, I would ask, you know, is there something going on? Because you're in a remote environment, so you're already isolated from from clients, you're already isolated from different people. So my thing would be, you know, what's going on? Is there something, is there a change in, in your life to where, your performances has dwindled a little bit and come to find out, you know, one of my consultants was on the brink of committing suicide. I mean, it was, I had never heard anything like that being, you know, being a a business owner or a boss or anything like that. So for me and to be young, at the time I I might've been maybe 30, 31 years old and I'm having to deal with someone, you know, double my age who's going through a, a, a mental health challenge such as that. And we already know how suicide has just increased dramatically over the past couple of years with the pandemic, um, with all of these changes with, you know, uh, the uh, political unrest. There's just so many different things going on to where the suicide rate is just increased like crazy. Um, But how I was able to, you know, deal with that situation was to, you know, connect with, with my consultant and say, listen, I've, I've had mental health struggles before, you know, and I'm not exempt from them just like you. And being able to connect on a human level, as opposed to always staying business-like, I feel like being a good leader in that aspect is, is putting yourself out there and being human and coming down it, quote unquote, coming down on that level with that particular person and saying, I'm human just like you. So whatever we need to do to come together to make sure that you're okay, let me, you know, let's do that. That's, that's how my conscience works. No, I love that because it's super easy to just, Oh, this person's work ethic has dropped fire them. And Mm -hmm. honestly, something that I just pulled up right here, it talks about signs of suicidal tendencies in men. And it kind of talks about some of the, the things that the main, some of the main reasons that men have like, cause you know committed suicide for obviously there's mental illness um one of them is social isolation which we discuss uh the third main one which is which makes sense especially because it talks about 65 and older in men is really like suicide rate is very high right um and unemployment was one of them and i could see that i could see being 65 not have made all the right decisions or maybe just not had the right circumstances growing up starting to get to that retirement age not feeling ready for it, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. just feeling like you're almost just going to be a burden. Um, and then I could see people taking their lives that way. Like, it's it's super sad. But unable to maintain healthy relationships was one. And a huge one for me, and I'm going to dive into this further um, down the road, but is a history of physical or sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Because I know for even... F- and I can, whatever, I can be vulnerable. I've had uh, sexual abuse issues growing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I feel that that was something my mom said, my drug abuse, my mom always felt like my drug abuse uh, came from self-medicating from past trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really comfortable in my own skin. So I could just 
take get high and then I'm temporarily feel content. You know what I mean? Right. So I know that that's definitely something that that I could definitely see struggles coming from that way. Yeah. And and I definitely can relate to that, you know, as well. Um, dealing with a lot of past traumas and self-medicating. I mean, I, w- I would get high, too, yeah. you know, just to self-medicate. And I had to learn the same thing. So it while that part wasn't on the brink of addiction, what was an addiction for me was a sex addiction. And that's where I always felt like I needed to fill a void in whatever loneliness that I was dealing with. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm open, I, I talk openly about it because yeah. I know that there are other men, there's about 80% of men in the church that struggle with that same thing. Oh, for sure. You know, and it's something that we, we do have to talk about. We got to talk about all of these things and bring them to the forefront, not to judge, Yeah. not to make you feel judged because if, yeah, if we talk about it to, and make you feel judged, that's going to definitely push you over the brink. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that person's not going to want to live for anything because they already feel as though I'm not accepted. A hundred percent. You know, I, so. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And the things that we turn to like the sex addictions or the drugs or the exploding in anger and hitting, you know, other people, violence, yep. um, they all come from being a, like a symptom of, of trying to cure some sort of mental health issue. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But the problem is, they then take you down a further spiral of shame. So like, let's say, for instance, my drug dealing, right? When I sold drugs, I wasn't saving money. Like I wasn't selling drugs. Like this is my career. I'm a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. I was selling drugs because it made me feel important. It made me feel valued. It made me feel needed by the outside world. Mm -hmm. And so I had some sort of insecurity inside of me that I was trying to make myself feel better and needed through selling drugs. But what it was doing and using and selling drugs, but it was doing was causing more and more issues in my life because now I would have this hole inside of me. I'd fill it with fake things. Yeah. The hole reopens. Now I still have the hole and now I have shame behind doing the things. Right. It's the same thing with like pornography or like sex addiction. You, yeah. you temporarily feel like you're going to do something to make you feel better but then afterwards, you don't feel better. Mm-hmm. Now you feel worse because you've messed up and you're still, you know what I mean? It's a whole cycle, man. It's a big cycle, yeah. So I agree with you, man. Um, let's see here. Let me go real quick with uh, the last thing I wanted to, to bring up. I want to go through these eight ways to convince your spouse, or it doesn't have to be a spouse, just a friend. Uh, oh, if it's a spouse, let me know because, <laughs> hey, I'm about to be in that, in that same seat as you soon. Oh, yeah. So, Congratulations absolutely. on that and getting married. That's going to be awesome. You. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it'll be March 2023. So that's we're, awesome. We're going to be, uh, yeah, so I'm going to need these, these uh, eight, <laughs> eight tips. <laughs> so, um, and I was also, our, we're married in March too, so our anniversary is March. Really? Cool, so March what? 26th. Okay. That's when we got married. Okay. 2017. So. Oh man. So it's coming up soon. Yeah. It's coming years. up soon. Yep. It's, and she's such a blessing. Like I don't deserve her. So it's really cool. Man, that's, that's what's up, man. Um, so here's eight ways that, uh, and this is coming off of something that I found, uh, this very well mind, but eight ways to convince your spouse to go to counseling. One is to be open and honest with them about what you see in them and their struggles. Right. Yeah. Um, but then to also not play the blame game. So it's not, I'm blaming you for the stuff that goes on. It's like, Hey babe, I see that you're kind of struggling with this and I love you. And I want to see like, is there a way that maybe we could go together or, you know, just a gent- gently as I guess is yeah. a way. Um, I like that. Let them know that you love them. I mean, I know that that seems pretty like pretty obvious, but I know that if my wife comes to me with an issue and is like, babe, I love you. And I want to talk about this. 
It definitely helps me rather than, I can't believe you did this, this, you need to get help for this. No one, like you start yelling at me and tell me I need to do this. I'm turning off right then. Absolutely. So I think it's, um, uh, another one is to not get offensive, not to get defensive or offensive when they do. Because the first couple of times you bring it up, as men, we might feel attacked. You know, yes. we might feel like, why are you coming at me with this? Um, because we all have this desire inside of us to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't reach it. But then anytime someone brings up anything that is maybe like a flaw of ours or something, it's very easy to get defensive because we want to, you know, maintain that perfection. Absolutely. Um so another one was be clear with your motives. Make sure that you're letting them know this is for you. I want you to be healthy and happy. This isn't for me. This is, you know what I mean? Right. Um, another one was to set clear goals. And then the last one was choose a counselor together. Um, maybe as, and be willing to explore a couple options. If your first option of counseling, if you're, if it's just not the right person, yeah. don't give up on counseling. Try again. You know what I mean? Try to find another counselor maybe. Um, and probably not to, be open-minded, I feel like, when you pick a counselor, you know, because there's a couple of times where we've gone to counseling and it was like this lady who I thought at first was like, this little like nerdy lady is not going to be, and mm-hmm. I hope she doesn't hear this, but anyway, she's been the most amazing <laughs> counselor we've ever had. Like, right. she's literally been life-changing in our relationship. But at first I was like, this lady hasn't been through, she don't know what I've been through, mm-hmm. but what she does know is what she's doing and she knows how to help people in these situations. So yeah, um, that, I thought that was a good one. If if I could add on, Please. I like the fact that you said, uh, I think it was number five, which is be clear with your motives. And for me, that's so important because it's okay to come to me and say, hey, I see that you're struggling in something, right? But my love language is where it's affirmation. So if you're telling me that you see something or you see that I'm not in the best place that you normally see me in or I'm not in an optimal place, but you're telling me you you care for me, you tell, you're telling me that I want to see you do well because I see you slacking in this, this, and this, but, I, but you say it in a loving and respectful way, I'm much more open to hearing that I need to change up some things. Yeah, no, um, for so sure. So let me know your motives is so important. The setup. Like Absolutely. The setup, yeah. The setup, yeah. Because that way it's like, listen, I, I love you, you're, you're great, this, that, and the third. However... I see you need help because of this, this, and this. And I'm much more open to therapy. I love that. I think that's awesome because it's, it's so true. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to talk about is uh, we come across people all the time. And I'm going to give you one example of kind of what I mean. Um, like you pull into a gas station and you see a homeless person there, right, or whatever. And, you know, they're asking for money and they're clearly struggling with whatever it might be a drug, drugs or alcohol or something like that. And it's easy to to get into judgment phase. And I know that this is kind of like an extreme option, but I just, what I want people to do is to have some empathy towards other people um, as far as that person might have, let's say they were sexually abused for years as a kid, right? Right. Um, and the only way that they were ever, because they, they were never exposed to counseling, they were never exposed to any sort of help. The only thing right. that they've ever found that's worked for them is drug addiction and drug addiction is a huge one when it comes to people that have had issues growing up you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah to turn to drugs because it's such a but the problem is now these people don't know how to get out of that situation um because they don't know how to live in their own skin so i guess all i'm trying to say in that is i know that i used drugs for a long time to to help me cope with my mental health so if you have even a kid in your if there might be someone in your family 
and you're just like, man, how can this kid, why is he still doing drugs? This is ridiculous. Maybe it's deeper than a drug problem. I guess it's kind of. Um, you're you're right, absolutely right. I think it, it's multiple things at, at play here. Um, look at yourself, right? You grew up from the mean streets of Philadelphia. Where where are they even pushing mental health facilities or talking to therapists or psychologists? Where we from? From my hood, yeah. not really talking about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now being here in Mansfield, where you have different, you know, for example, you, we have different locations where that's actually a, um, it's more of a a welcome thing, so to speak. I would say from that aspect, we need to be able to uh, reach out to certain people who have been through certain things, starting with the church. Like yeah. the church could be a good a good place to even start with that too. Um, but just recognizing, yeah. like you, you have resources in front of you. The question is, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? That's true too. That's that's the biggest thing because sometimes being in that vicious cycle of shame, that's a huge thing. So Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. Um Man, this, this has been awesome because I know that there's so many people that need this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a topic that um, some people get uncomfortable with it and some people, but the benefit of what you get out of working on your mental health, it changes everything, your relationships around you, the jobs that you have. Con- you know what I mean? It's just the confidence that you can build in yourself again to be happy to make eye contact with people again. Like, people lose that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, um, and also I want to, put out there if anybody you know is struggling with any sort of like suicide or anything like that um they do have that three digit number now you can just call 988 yeah and say which is cool instead of having to memorize that long phone number yeah um so just be willing and be there if if you have someone who comes to you and starts willing to discuss something with you uh they're opening up and being honest and open with you so make sure that you give them the attention and the the respect that is due there and not kind of blow that off yeah. You know, because I lost a friend, um, a couple friends now to suicide, you know, over the years. And sometimes you might ha- not have any idea that it's coming up. So it's really just being being aware of what other people, you know, are how they're acting and what's going on in their life. You know, I agree. I agree. A lot of times we don't we won't put on the I'm struggling face, you know. And, you know, and I'm sorry that you you lost a couple of friends to suicide. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a difficult thing. I, I had a friend of mine who lost his mom to suicide uh, a, a while back. And, um, you know, I know how it, it affected him. Yeah. You know, as far as so many unanswered questions and yeah. how could he have been there for his mom? How could he have helped? And People all those start things. blaming themselves. They start blaming themselves yeah. and like, you know, thinking that they were the problem and they were the burden and, and we just want to be there to help and support in any way that we can. And that's the message that we got to get out to people is you might be struggling, but your life does matter. So yeah. we got to talk about whatever it is that will help you stay six feet above. Above. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That's really good. Uh, real quick, before we wrap this up, can you let uh, all our listeners know how they can find you and, you know, get in contact with you or follow you? Cause that's, you always put out great content and I would love for my <laughs> listeners to be involved with what you're doing also. I appreciate that. Um, you know, your, uh, your followers can find me at, at locks lounge podcast, L O C S lounge podcast. Um, so they can find me there. My, tw- um, IG is also, I'm so underscore sophisticated two one five. Um, and they can also reach me at uh, Facebook, Tim Nicholas, and same thing, the Locks Lounge Podcast. That's perfect. Man, I really, really appreciate you doing this, man. This Thanks, is, man. This has been awesome. It was even better than I thought it could be. Um, you have so much to offer, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate you know what I mean? Like, 
even with the way that you raise your kids and that the way you, you know, throw your kids on social media with you all the time and like the way you rep, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's so much that. more to, uh, to life than just us. You know what I mean? It's about yeah. what we can do to benefit others. Likewise, man. I love to see you and your son doing your thing. Y'all going to the golf courses and everything else, man. And, and I love what you're doing in the community too, man, with the youth, you know, so shout out to you big time for everything that you're doing, you and your wife, beautiful family, beautiful couple, man. So doing your thing. Thanks, sure, man. That man. means a lot. Appreciate Absolutely. it. So, y'all, if you uh, if you know anybody struggling with any sort of mental health issues or share this podcast, you guys, like, please, um, this is more than just for me or for, like, my show. I know that there's so many people that could benefit from this, the benefit of counseling, the benefit of knowing that being vulnerable and transparent, how important that is. Um, also want to remember, hey, Second Chance Mentors, our nonprofit, uh, if you guys have any resources or any way that you could help, please go to secondchancementors.com and uh, there's a contact us. There's a donation tab. Um, you know, we're definitely uh, resources are necessary to continue our mission. So if you guys have, you know, any capabilities or ability to help in any way, we love that. But other than that, thank you guys for listening. Um, we love you guys and there's nothing you can do about it. And we're here if you need us. Forgiven AF podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys. Thank you guys.